0: morning. Uh, I mean, it's so good to be with you uh, this morning. Um, I know as we look around us and as we go through life, it's, it's many times difficult for us to be thankful for things. It is. I know we are in a very interesting time as we live and there's situations and there's things that are, that are going on all around us that are affecting us even even personally, and I know as we, we think about Thanksgiving and as we just kind of just move right on into Christmas and the celebration, I think the reality of it is uh, many times our hearts are not thankful. Uh, I think many times in our, in our lives that the last thing that we want to do is to celebrate in, in the things of life, and that is one of the reasons I love the story of, of Joseph as we've been walking through this for the last several weeks Um, This morning we're going to be finishing up our story and it is the longest story in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 37 through 50. And as we've been walking this together, I know that I personally have been challenged by just diving into God's word and just seeing how, man, God is still on the throne no matter what goes around, no matter what happens in our lives, no matter how many times that we, we doubt the goodness of God, that God is, is still in control and he is, he is still on the throne. And there are going to be things in our lives. There are going to be people who abandon us as we see in the story of Joseph. There will be times that we make decisions to honor God and we get anything but blessings in our lives. But as we look at this story, as we've been looking through this story, we see as we sing that song, even when we don't see God working, he's working. And many times he uses situations, he uses tragedies, he uses challenges, he uses other people to bring us to a point where we can say, you might have meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So as we wrap up our series this morning, I would like for us to consider the following. In backlight of our story, if you've been here, We we have been walking through the life of of Joseph, but this morning I want to ask us some questions. And I think it's some questions that Joseph, I believe, wrestled with in his life many times as well. Do all things really work together for good? Why would a good God, a loving God, allow pain and suffering to exist in this world. Now this question takes on a whole different meaning or a whole different situation, a whole different reality when we are the ones in the midst of the story, amen? Because we see it on the TV, we see what's happening in these places, and and we hear stories of what's happening in people's lives, but when it hits home, it brings on a whole new reality for you and for us. You see, reconciling how a good and loving God could allow pain in our lives or someone close to us is is very difficult. And many of us have walked away from their faith or from our faith because of the suffering that we have experienced in our lives. And here's what happens many times, if I can be honest. I've been a part of this, I have probably been the one who has possibly done this as well when things happen and tragedy happens and pain happens in our lives. Far too often we simply throw band-aid answers at these questions and ignore the pain that people are really going through. Maybe you've experienced this before. We say things like this. You just need to believe a little more. Just pray a little more. You are suffering due to a lack of faith. God is causing your suffering because fill in the blank. Maybe this one fits. True followers of Jesus are spared from suffering. Now now these answers don't just bring comfort or a lack of comfort. Many times they're, they're not even true. But the reality is, is that they can make the suffering worse and push people further away from the hope that Christ offers. I don't know if you've looked around you. There's a lot of pain and suffering going on, amen? There's a lot of people looking for hope. There's a lot of people that wish that they could be thankful for something in their lives. And we, as Christ followers, have a hope that is there no matter if life is a wreck or if life is good. the hope of Jesus Christ, my hope and prayer for you this morning, if you have not experienced the hope that Christ offers, that today you would receive that. No matter how many sermons we hear or how many Bible verses we memorize, The question returns again and again, why did God allow this to happen? Why is God allowing this to happen? We know all too well in our world that pain can quickly move to suffering. An accident that leads to a lifelong pain, a a disease that ravages our body, harm that was brought upon by another human being, or the millions that have no access to basic human needs. Suffering is all around us, and of course, it's just not physical. Many times, this suffering is non-physical. It's a suffering that is silent, but just as painful in our lives. Suffering is all around us. And will continue to be around us until the day that Jesus returns. I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for that day. And God's word says for those who are in Christ, that will be a day that we will celebrate That will be a day there will be no more mourning, there will be no pain, there will be no more suffering when the time that Jesus announces his triumphal entry back into this place and God's word says that I have gone and I have prepared a place for you and I promise that I will return. And as we look around us and we see all the things that are going on and all the ravage and all the sin and all the hurts and all the pain, let me tell you something, these things must take place. This is something, yes, we shouldn't fear. As Christ followers, this is something that we should look forward to because that means we're a day closer to the return of Jesus Christ. But for those... Who do not know Christ, the reality that breaks my heart in the truth of God's word, is that the pain and the suffering has yet to be felt. In our series, we we've been asking some fundamental questions that, that we all have to answer sooner or later in our lives. We said, Do you know why you were born? Do you know your purpose? Do you know who you are and whose you are? Are you willing to wait for God? How big is your God? Are you ready to face your past? And here is our final question this morning if you're taking notes. Can you trust God with the details of your life? Can you trust God with the details of your life? Life. And as we've journeyed through the life of, of Joseph and seen that his life illustrates perhaps better than any other story in the Bible, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and this is what it says. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Deep down in our hearts, we we know that that Romans chapter 8 verse 28 must be true, but the question still hangs in the air many times in our lives. We wonder why things happen the way that they do. Why why do they happen to good and decent people? Why do they happen to the people who love the Lord? I want to read an excerpt for you real quickly. A man by the name of Philip Yancey, he wrote an article about this topic, and I want to read it for you because I couldn't do a better job. I'll just be honest with you, okay? It says, there's a fundamental flaw in this question. The assumption in the question, why does God allow suffering, is that we know better than God and that we are the center of importance. The reality is our understanding of God, of suffering, and of love are all extremely limited. We are finite beings trying to grasp an infinite God. The first thing we must recognize is that God sees the larger picture and is orchestrating everything for his glory, which is to our benefit. You and I are not the sinner. Try teaching that to a four-year-old, all right? There's a larger story unfolding that you and I know nothing about or can't presently see. He goes on. We have to ask ourselves if we trust that God's plan is good, even at the moment it doesn't seem good, that's what faith demands. Believing in advance what will only make sense in hindsight He says, I think the reason so many of us struggle with this question of suffering is that we can't trust God wholeheartedly in the moment. We demand answers that God fix our problems, thus insisting to be the sinner. We think there's no way of something good coming from our suffering. The problem is, you and I are stuck with an extremely limited view. We can only see what's right in front of us. God sees the larger picture. Is it possible that maybe something bigger is unfolding, something we cannot see or even understand? And he closes with this. The point I'm trying to make is that until we put God at the center, we will struggle with this question of why suffering exists. Until we understand that there are things we will not see this side of heaven, this question will cause us to stumble. Until we place our trust that God's plan is good, even when it doesn't seem to be, we will never be at peace with this question. You see, God sees and understands what what you and I cannot see nor understand. Not only is he in control, but but God is good in working all things for his glory and his purpose. Can we pray together? Father, thank you for today. Lord, I want to pray even in this moment, Lord. Lord, that you would, you would come and be near, Father. Lord, I, I pray, God, that um, through the work of the Holy Spirit, God, Lord, that you would proclaim truth this morning. Lord, I pray that you would humble me in this moment, Lord. I pray, God, that you would use your word to draw people to yourself, Father. Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you so much for so many other churches here in town that are gathering, Lord, and I pray as the, as the gospel message is proclaimed, Father, I, I pray, Lord, that you would do what only you can do, God. Lord, thank you for the day, Father. We, we love you and we praise you And all God's people said, amen. There's a doctrine that gives us um, insight uh, into all of this, and, and it's known as, the doctrine of the the providence of of God, and it refers to God's gracious, hands-on oversight of the universe. That's a big mouthful, all right? God's providence is God's gracious, hands-on oversight of the universe. It it, it literally means that, that God holds all things together. God holds all things together. God governs all things. God directs all things. And He does it all for His glory. Here's where we wrestle many times in our lives. Maybe you don't, but I do. Many times, I want to be the center of my own universe. Anybody else there? I want to make choices, I want to make decisions, I want to do things that helps me, that benefits me, and there are times in my life, it doesn't happen very often, I'm totally kidding, I can be incredibly selfish. Anybody else there? And so the thought of God using all things, all situations, everything to bring him honor and glory, there is going to be a wrestle there. Anybody else understand? There is going to be a battle there between our flesh and what God wants to do through in our lives and what we desire as humans. It's a lifelong battle that we see all throughout Scripture. We wrestle with it every single day. Joshua, I'm sorry, not Joshua. We're not in the book of Joshua, all right? Joseph wrestled with it in his own life life. R.C. Sproul said this, God doesn't roll the dice. Nothing happens by chance. And with that as the background, I want us to consider the the story of Joseph one last time. Joseph was a 17-year-old boy. A 17-year-old boy in a big, dysfunctional family. But God wanted to use joseph and he gave joseph a dream and that dream he told to his brothers and we know the story it did not go well whatsoever they sold him as a slave the slave traders took him to egypt they sold him to potiphar now potiphar was like the general of the army and potiphar used him. He saw that God was working in and through his life, and he put him in charge of everything. It also says in God's Word that Joseph was a very handsome, well-built young man. I don't know anything about that. Maybe you do, okay? And Potiphar's wife continued to go after him and try to seduce him, and Joseph knew that if he did anything that he would be sinning against God and defiling his master Potiphar. And so he refused, and as we know the story, Potiphar's wife did not like it at all. She brought on a false accusation which landed Joseph in prison, not for doing something wrong, but for standing on what he knew was right. And so Joseph... Spends two long years in prison. And there was one situation where the baker and the cupbearer, they get thrown into prison. Pharaoh was, I don't know what the deal was. Maybe he didn't like the cookies. He didn't like the drink. And he got furious. He threw them into prison. And they had dreams. And God's word says that God gave Joseph the ability to interpret those dreams. He interpreted the dreams and they came true The baker lost his life, and the cupbearer got released back to his position. And Joseph said to the cupbearer, please do not forget me. How many times have we asked that question? Please don't forget me, and we still feel forgotten. And so Joseph was left in prison for two full years. I don't know about you, um, but there's been times in my life where I felt like I've been living in a prison... And I felt like God has abandoned me. Anybody else? I felt like God was nowhere to be found. I felt like the current situations, they didn't make sense. And I, and I wrestled with those things in, in my heart. And I wanted to believe God. I, I believe that you are good, but I am wrestling with the situation or the current thing that I am experiencing right now. And I can imagine Joseph felt the same way after two years Pharaoh has a dream and he goes to all his mighty men it says all of his sorcerers all of these people and asks, can you interpret this dream and it says that no one could and at that moment at just the right time the cupbearer remembers Joseph and so he goes to Pharaoh and says Pharaoh there's a man in prison that interpreted my dreams a long time ago and I just remembered he can do it and so Pharaoh calls for Joseph and Joseph stands before Pharaoh and Josh I mean I'm so Joseph says you know what I can't do it but God can and so last week we saw that the dream meant there's going to be seven good plenty years things are going to go well and then there's going to be seven years of massive Famine that takes place in the region. And so back home, Jacob, who's Joseph's brother, I'm sorry, father, it reached so far that it's all over the region. He tells his sons to go to Egypt to get food, and it literally says they stood around looking at each other because they knew that Joseph had been sold into Egypt. And as they go to Egypt, to get grain. They go and in the process they meet Joseph, only they didn't know Joseph. This happens twice and then Joseph reveals his, his true identity at the at the banquet he threw for them and they are shocked but also scared for their lives. They knew that Joseph was now in a position to give payback. They knew that Joseph was in a position that he could now get even. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45 verse 5. This is Joseph's response. He says, and now, do not be distressed. And do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Wow! Joseph, in that moment, could have done anything he desired to his brothers to get back at them for what they had done for them. How many times have we been in situations and we've taken that revenge? How many times have we been put in a situation where we could get back at someone? I love that God was working so intently in the life of Joseph. He saw that God was working even in the small details of life that he could respond to his brothers because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And then in verse 6, it says, For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And then verse 8, it says, So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of All of Egypt. You see, we said last week that Joseph wasn't just wanting to give his brothers food and send them on his way. Joseph was seeking out reconciliation and Joseph was wanting to see the family put back together again but it was only by the power of God that Joseph was able to respond in a manner like this to his brothers who did not deserve it. Many people say the correlation between Joseph and Jesus is is so amazing of how Joseph responds to situations and lavishes grace and mercy on his brothers, on his family, when they are not deserving, just like Jesus did for you and for me. When we find ourselves far from God, far from God, that Jesus came and he made a way and he lavishes his grace and his mercy on our lives. You see, the story goes on. The brothers go back to Canaan where the father is. And I've always wondered how this conversation went. How are they going to spill the beans that Joseph is still alive? Because they had been living a lie. Listen to this. They had been living a lie for most of their life. I just wonder how many of us have been in living a lie for most of our lives. You see, it is so easy. It is so easy for you and for me to come into situations like this at the church and feel loved and feel welcomed, but we never open ourselves up to the reality of of what's really going on in our hearts. We never open up to the, to the reality of, of whatever it is that might be a stumbling block in our lives. And, and so we just put on, like, like, everything is okay. Like, we're good. How's Thanksgiving? Oh, it was great. And you know, it was a disaster because your mother-in-law was there. I'm totally kidding, okay? Like, like, that's how we do life. It's like, how are things? Oh, they're good. And you're like, no, I don't even like you. Maybe you should be careful what you say. But listen, this is how we live our lives many times. And his brothers, for all these years, had been living a lie. And so I'd have loved to have been there for that conversation. I wonder if they were excited to tell the father that Joseph was a lie because of the grace and mercy that Joseph showed them. Like, like I wonder in that moment that guilt had been taken away and they were like, man, we got to tell you something like Joseph is alive. And he's like, wait a minute here. You told me 20. I know, dad. I know, dad. We were young, okay? Or I wonder if they wrestled with telling the truth. I wonder if they wrestled like, dad, um, hey, can we talk? Maybe you should sit down, Okay. Uh, can I get you something to drink? Hey, Dad, we, get, we have something to share with you. Um, are you sure you're okay? Um, because what we're about to tell you is, is going to be unbelievable, but trust us when we say it's believable. Um, the the son that we said died so long. Actually, none of that happened. <laughs> like, like, none of that ever happened, really. We made the whole thing up. We actually sold him into slavery. You know what I mean? Like, but he's still alive, Dad. All right? He's still alive. They're they're backing up a little bit. And it says that their father, Jacob, he is stunned at the news. Of course he's stunned at the news. Wouldn't you as a parent, like, are you kidding me? My son was lost, but now he's found? Yes! Yes! And so they convince their father to go to Egypt. And so he travels, and he sees it for himself. He sees it for himself. He sees Joseph face to face, and many of us know the story that Pharaoh gives them, the best land, and they, and they live a, a fruitful life for many years. And, and Jacob... Joseph's father, he passes away at an old age, at the age of 137. And what's interesting here is, is that when the father passes, the brothers get scared again. They get nervous again. Now that our father is not here to kind of like settle things and and tell the baby brother, hey, you shouldn't do that, or whatever the situation is, they get scared, and they start to make up another lie of what their father had said before he died. Hey, um, Joseph, we, we know that our father has died, but um, we just wanted to let you know that we had all sat around, okay? And he, and he let us know that when he passes away that you need to be good to us, okay? You don't need to harm us. That's totally a brother thing, isn't it? Listen listen to Joseph's response because these are the words of a man who believes in the providence of God. Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. It says, But Joseph said to them, You better watch out. No, I'm kidding. That would have been me, all right? Don't Be afraid, am I in the place of God? And then our passage that we've been using as our theme verse all these weeks, here it is. You meant to harm me, but God meant it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, both sides of of this statement that Joseph proclaims is true, he says to his brother, he's just honest, like, you meant to harm me. Like, you meant to hurt me. You intended evil. And some of us, that's the cry of our heart, like, like, why would you do that? Like, Mom, Dad, why would you do that? Brothers, sisters, spouse, why would you do that? You, in, you intended to harm me, why would you do that? Best friend, why would you stab me in the back? All of these situations, God, why would you allow this to happen? It's the reality of the life that we live. Like, you intended to harm me. But what we see here in this story is a life transformed by the power of God you got to remember, this story is not about Joseph. Just like our story should not be about us. The story of Joseph is about God. And here's why that's important for Joseph, and here's why that's important for you and me. When we find ourselves in these situations, like you intended to harm me, without the Spirit of God actively working in our lives, we will put the gloves on every time. All right, you've given me no chance or no other choice. Let's do this. And some of us right now are trying to fight a battle that's God's battle to fight. Some of us don't know what a healthy marriage relationship is. Because it's always putting on the gloves. It's it's always about about fighting and, and making me the center of my universe. Trust me, I know this. I've been married for a long time. And if we, as Christians, are not allowing the transformational word of God change us from the inside out, that will be our lives. We will fight, and life will be miserable. I always say one of the most miserable people on earth is someone who knows God but doesn't follow after him. But we see this story. You meant to harm me. But Joseph has seen the providence of God work for so many years in his life. He had learned to trust God in all things. And when we trust God in all things we become more like Jesus. When we become more like Jesus, we respond and we react like Jesus would respond and act. But God meant it for good. This doesn't mean that that evil isn't evil or, or bad isn't bad. It just means that God is able to take the evil actions of sinful men and women and use them to accomplish His purpose and His plans. I think it's so, so easy for us in this moment to ask and even to question what is going around this nation in this world Uh, I think it's easy for us to to wonder why and and ask those questions and and for many of us the things that have gone on we've we've somewhat gone into to isolation and and because of things that happen in our lives we we try to, to protect us but here's the thing whenever that happens we have to remember what our lives should be about even God didn't spare his own son God's word says that we have been bought with a price if we are in Christ Jesus. Our life is not our own. i got to be honest, I wrestle with that. I do. I do wrestle with that. Don't think for a moment that God is not in control. May God allow us the understanding and faith that Joseph had and be able to respond as he did. Though your motives were bad, God's motives were good. Though it took years and years for God's purposes to be clear, in the end, Joseph saw the hand of God behind everything that had happened in his life and all around him. And here's the cool thing about this story. It all happened at just the right time. It all happened at just the right time. That phrase is all throughout God's word. At just the right time, Jesus came. At just the right time, God raised up Esther, if you know that story. At just the right time, Joseph was released from prison to fulfill God's Prophecy that he had shared many years ago, not to make much of God. I mean, I'm sorry, not to make much of Joseph, but to make much of God. This story is about making much of God. My question for you and I, what's our story about? What are our lives about? You see, one of the things... um, I've learned is, um, one, I don't like suffering. <laughs> I just don't. I don't like pain. I don't. But one thing I've learned about this is suffering. Um, suffering will always force me to, to move in a direction. Think of... A child who puts his hand on the hot stove for the first time. Like like pain is not always a bad thing. As they they put their hand on that, they they notice very quickly that it is hot and pain comes and and immediately they step back. Immediately they, they move from that suffering. But here's what happens many times in our lives. Many times we allow the suffering to disconnect us From the things of God or we can allow the suffering to grow closer to the things of God because we are so filled with the things of God we trust him even when life is good and we trust him when life is devastating I'm going to ask the worship team if you guys would come back up. Um, You know, when we find ourselves in these types of situations, we really have a choice to make. Just as Joseph had a choice to make, he could have easily, easily taken revenge on his brothers and everyone would have said, you know what, they deserved it. But Joseph, because he believed in the providence of God that God is in control of all things and understood that his situation, like his brothers didn't do this, God led him to a place so that he could be there to save many people's lives. Um, I want to close our time together this morning. And I want to read something that has nothing to do with the book of Joseph. <laughs> all right? Um, it's actually found in, in Revelations chapter 22. Um, I was actually reading it this morning and the Lord just, just stirred my heart because I, I believe we're living in such a time And I believe that many of us are just discouraged, just beat up, we're worn out. And we, we want to believe that the God is in control. We, we want to believe that, that situations that take place, like, like God is working all things for the good of those who like, like We want to believe that, but we are really struggling. And I think it's good for me to be reminded of the promises of God. Like when God says it, God will do it. And I think it's so important for us, the church, for those who are in Christ to be reminded of the day when Jesus will return. Like we must keep sight of that, church. We must keep sight of what God is wanting to do. It's already been written. We are here and we wait. And the waiting is hard. It is difficult. And Jesus is like, man, like, come on, let's keep going. There is a watching world that needs to know the name of Jesus. There are people all around us who are wanting the hope of Christ. So I just want to read this for you. It may be an encouragement to you this morning. Our worship team is going to play. I just... Revelations chapter 22, verse 12. It says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside the gates are those who who practice all kind of immorality and murderers and idolaters and everyone who, who loves and practices falsehood. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him come and take the free gift of the water of life. And then he closes the book of Revelation he who testifies these things says, Yes, I am coming. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. We're going to do things a little bit different. We're going to be done in just a second. I think it's so easy for us to get discouraged. I have been so discouraged. And it's so easy for us to lose sight and lose hope of, of what God is doing. And I think many times we've got we've to step back and, and sift through the good, the bad, the ugly to see what God is doing. But one thing I do know that always brings me back to the, to the things of God is repentance, confession, and worship. And I know I am not the only one in a group this size Who has things in my life and things and I need to come before the Father and just plead. Oh God, God, I need you. God, there are things I want to offer before you. So what we're gonna do, and I'm gonna ask some of our leaders, if you guys would join me up here this morning, we're gonna we're gonna make this an altar. We're just gonna come and we're just gonna pray. Maybe you want to bring your families up here together. I don't know what God is, is doing to stir your hearts, but I, but I know that God is wanting us to take action. And God is wanting to use you. So as we sing, we're going to open up the altar here. And if God stirs your heart, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to come. And we're just going to seek the things of God this morning.